0: In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, St. Paul reminds us that the gospel is a stumbling block. And into two particular groups, he says the gospel is a stumbling block to the Jews and to the Greeks. Those who trust in the law for their redemption, those who trust in themselves for redemption. The gospel is an affront to us. It's why the gospel tends to elicit uh, various fairly harsh reactions uh, when it's spoken. It's an affront to our sin, and that it covers our sin. We'll get to that later. But it's especially an affront to our own selves, to our self-righteousness, to our self-justification. Because one of the fundamental characteristics that we carry with ourselves since the fall is that we desire to justify ourselves. We desire to, through our own working, make ourselves look good in the eyes of God and in the eyes of our neighbor and in the eyes of ourselves. And if we're honest, that third category is probably the most important to us. That we would be able to look at ourselves in the mirror and see a fundamentally good person. The gospel is what distinguishes... Christianity from every other religion. There are fundamentally two religions in the world. There is the religion of the law, in which we are justified by our own works and have no need of Jesus and his death and his resurrection. And there is the the religion of the gospel, Christianity, where we are wholly reliant on Jesus' work on our behalf, wholly reliant on him saving us and bringing us into eternity. This is what's going on, this contrast in the parable and the discussion that Jesus has with this lawyer who comes up to Jesus to test him. Now we should remember, we hear lawyer and we think person who's in court arguing case before the judge, that's not what this lawyer is. This lawyer in the ancient world, a lawyer, was someone who had devoted themselves particularly to the study of the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, and living out the law that was lived in that. And so they had all these various questions, just like the the Pharisees and the Sadducees have their favorite questions that they like to throw out to test people. You know, Sadducees is the the one where they talk about the guy who has a wife and uh, uh, the a husband dies, and so his brother takes her, and then he dies, etc., all the way, seven brothers, none of them have kids, and they ask in the resurrection, Who's, uh, whose wife is she? The, Pharisees, or the, the Sadducees denied the resurrection, so that was their little test question to see what people were going to say about the resurrection. Pharisees have their own, the scribes have their own set, and this is one of them. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Which is, when you look at it, just a silly question, right? Because doing something and inheriting something are not the same. You don't do anything to inherit. You just inherit. You either earn your wages or you inherit your wages, one or the other. But it's not the same thing. So it's kind of an odd question, but as are most of these questions by these groups. And Jesus doesn't fall for it. He just asks him, knowing that he's a lawyer, he studied the Torah, he should know what's written in the law. And the man responds, shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you're right. Do this and you will live. There's there's a little bit of a nuance to that, what Jesus says there. It's start doing that and you'll live there's kind of a, a, a poke into the, the eye of this this lawyer. It's like you haven't even started doing this. You can tell the lawyer thinks that he's been doing this all along. And so he comes up just to kind of test Jesus a little bit to see if Jesus knows what he's supposed to be doing. And what one of the things Jesus is showing us here is, we've talked about this before, that that love is simultaneously the most beautiful word in the scriptures, and the most terrifying word in the scriptures. Because when it comes to the law, it is something that's never done. When, when Jesus puts this before us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, there is never a time that we can check that off. There's, you know, you get these, uh, uh, these various apps that'll tell you, like, you know, if you've got a, a watch that keeps track of your steps, and you'll get like a a little award, you know, you did 10,000 steps, good job, something like that, right? We don't ever get that little little note on our phone or anything. It's like congratulations, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It never, it never shows up because it's never done. There's always more. And the second is like it: you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's the same thing. It's a love that's never finished. There's always another neighbor who needs your mercy. There's always another neighbor who needs your love. There's always more work to do. Which is why Jesus says, in part, start doing this and you will live. And he can't. And we can't. And if we try, we will die by the law. Now, it doesn't mean that the law is bad. We get this a little bit mixed up. This does not mean that the law is a bad thing for us. The scriptures are very clear that the law is good. In fact, St. Paul, anticipating this, uh, just asked the question what then shall we say? That the law is bad? That the law is wicked? By no means. But the commandment is, the law is good and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. They're good for us. They just can't save us. They're especially good for our neighbor. But they can't save our neighbor either. And if we try, we're going to fail. It's never done. Now there's a follow-up question to this. Trying to justify himself, trying to make himself right with God still, the lawyer asks, who's my neighbor? And we should pause and we should note that he doesn't ask anything about God here. There's two parts to the commandment. Love God, love your neighbor. Either he's just ignoring the commandment entirely, or he thinks that he's done this. One way or the other, he's wrong, and he just skips to uh, loving neighbor. But if, if he can define specifically who his neighbor is, then he knows who he doesn't have to love. And we have this same sort of problem, too, if we're honest. That we like to figure out who exactly our neighbor is so we figure out who we don't have to love, who we don't have to serve. And that's not good. And in fact, it's, it's why this is just not a great question. Who's my neighbor? That's not the question we need to be asking. Jesus is going to teach us at the end of this what question is the better question and what is uh, the actual helpful question. This. So Jesus tells him this parable. You've got this man. He falls into a ditch. He's uh, uh, beaten up by robbers. He's helpless. He can't do anything. He can't pull himself out of the ditch. This is the picture of us in our sinful state. And a man happens by, he's a Pharisee, and he crosses by on the other side. The Pharisee can't help him. The Pharisee is indicative of the law. The law cannot save this man. Another man, a Levite, passes by, also indicative of the law, this time the ceremonial laws. That can't save him either. And finally, a Samaritan passes by. And this is, you, you have to imagine the way this comes across. To anybody who is a Jew hearing this, particularly to this lawyer, the the Samaritans were not looked upon favorably at all. They they were, in fact, part of the the people that were brought in into the northern kingdom uh, by uh, King Jeroboam, uh, one of Solomon's sons. He he sets up the two false altars at the north and the south to keep people kind of out of Jerusalem. Uh, and then he ends up importing a whole bunch of people into the north, uh, and they bring in all the false worship and all the false gods and all that sort of stuff. He's, he, uh, the, the Samaritans are that group of people. They're not at all looked upon favorably. They're never the heroes of the story. They're generally not in the stories at all. But here he is, the, the hero, the picture of the gospel, and the picture of Christ himself. This man comes up and he gets down into the muck, into the ditch, binds up his wounds, gets the guy's blood and filth all over him, puts him on his own donkey, takes him to the inn, pays for his care, says, I'll pay for whatever more is needed when I come back. And that's Jesus. That is entirely what Jesus is doing from his incarnation to his resurrection, that he is coming down into our filth, into our muck, getting our sins all over him, and dying for them, carrying us into the inn, into the home, and paying all that is needed through his holy and precious blood so that we would be made right with God. And at the end, he asks this question. And it's very clear the answer. Which of these proved to be a neighbor to the man who has fallen into the ditch? the one who showed him mercy. And that's our question then. Our question is not, who's my neighbor? Our question is, who needs my mercy? Because that actually directs us not only to the people around us, but also to what we need to do. How I actually love my neighbor is through showing them mercy in the way in which they need it. And that's tangible. That's something that we can do. And what's wonderful about this then is that when we come to this point, especially in this parable, when we realize we're the man in the ditch, and that Jesus is the Samaritan that's come along and carried us into the inn and paid all we owe and made us whole and clean again and set us before the Father in righteousness, not a righteousness of our own, not a righteousness of the law, but the righteousness of Christ himself, that we are then actually freed up to live out a life of mercy to get down into the filth as well, because we're not trying to set ourselves as being good before the Father. We're not trying to set ourselves before the Father as someone who he's pleased with because of what we've done. We're not trying to look good before the eyes of the world. We're not trying to look good before the eyes of ourselves in the mirror. Because we know through Christ's death we are declared not good, but righteous, which is better. God alone is good, but he's also righteous, and in his death he's given you his righteousness so that you would be, as St. Paul says, that you would become the righteousness of God. And that is a freeing thing, that we can then go out and we can serve our neighbor in mercy, we can love the Lord our God, and not be concerned that we never get to its pinnacle, never getting to its completion, because we know that those sins are already forgiven in Christ. And so we can go in freedom and enjoy. And we can serve and we can love. And we can then be invited into the heavenly homes on the last day, hopefully with many neighbors, those whom we have shown mercy to. Understanding that the reason why we're showing mercy is entirely because we ourselves have been shown mercy first. We do not love out of ourselves. We love because Christ first loved us. We do not forgive because we have that welling up in us, but we forgive because Christ himself has forgiven us. We do not show mercy because we are intrinsically merciful. We show mercy because we are showing to others the mercy that Jesus himself has shown to us. That which we know and love and take joy in, we give that out to others. May this always be the case for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword, sermons by Pastor Kilgo at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We'd like to invite you to join us for church, Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have Bible study at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings and at other times throughout the week. Please visit our website at redeemer-lawrence.org for more information. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.